Alright, let's jump in. Uh, ben, if you would come forward. Uh, if y'all would stand, Ben will be reading our text this morning. We'll be, we're getting close to the end here. Wrapped up uh, Colossians. So we'll be reading chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. Ben, you stand there. I'll throw that mic here. King James Version 7 through 16. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluted you, and Marcus, sister's son of the Barnabas, concerning whom ye received commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are of the circumcision. These only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluted you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodosia, and them in Aeropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. So Luke, the brethren, which are in Laodicea, and Nymphus, and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read in the church of the Laodosians, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea, and say to our shepherds, Take ye to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, and thou fulfill it. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Y'all may be seated. So, does anyone else in here find themselves, you know, watching those shows you have at Friends or How I Met Your Mother, Big Bang? Those friend sitcoms, anyone have one of those they watch? You either only have like two of us in here that have cable or somebody all are lying to me. You have nothing to repent about that. But I mean, those shows are popular. There's a reason. These buddy shows. I think there's show after show after show. If anything like me, there's been seasons in your life where you kind of almost long to have those types of friendships, almost watching these shows, longing for those relationships, right? And some people think that one of the reasons those shows, you know, hard made and people want that is, is that we see these shows and want us. They're marketing, they spend millions of dollars on their research. They're not going to make a show that's not going to work. See, there's something in us as people we long for those communities. We long to be together. We long to have those friends and those friendships. And I did a, a wedding this weekend. One of those you know, verses you always have to say in a wedding is, you know, there in Genesis uh, 2, where it's not good that man should be alone. And that does apply so beautifully and so truly to marriages, but it's not just marriages, right? It applies to all of us. 
Even this morning while we were sitting there at our youth Sunday school, Amina, she always has like great questions. She just asked about the Trinity, right? She likes to give me you know, the easy stuff, the lowball stuff. Uh, and the Trinity has always existed in perfect fellowship, perfect unity, perfect love. But out of an overflow of his love that he created us, you know, I, I can still remember uh, a few times as a kid growing up in here, you know, God created us because he, you know, he needed to love someone and he needed to be loved. And that's just not true. He created out of an overflow of his love. And as we are made in the image of God, no single Christian can bear God's image alone because God is community. And here in these verses, it seems like if you just read it, it's names we don't know, places we've never been. But overall, Paul said that these are people who are beloved to me. They're with me. They're those that are with me in my struggling. They're with me in my prayers. These are the people that make up my community. <coughs> and sometimes when we think about these heroes of Scripture, like guys like Paul or Peter, you know, the, the patriarchs, of the Old Testament, we kind of think about them off alone, you know, on a pedestal, right? Like there's these guys that stand aloof by themselves. And yet that's not true. Like even those heroes of the faith needed friends around them. They needed those around them that were doing life with them, encouraging them, loving them, strengthening them, being there for them. I mean, goodness gracious, you know, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto, right? <laughs> right? If you try to live this life alone, you won't make it. If there ever was one who could, it would be Christ. And he gathered around him his apostles, his disciples, and even in that group, he had those three that were his closest. Very interesting. They've done studies that show levels of friendship if you're... I don't know, I feel like there might be a certain uh, website that's very big and everyone seems to have fun and just ruin the word friend. Right? <laughs> like that word used to mean something. We've cheapened it. Because you have a level of intimacy that can only be shared with one. For most of you, that's you know, your spouse, or it should be. Um, then the next level out is three to five. The next level out past that, 12 to 15. The level past that, 120 to 150. And the level past that is no true connection whatsoever. But I kind of had to laugh and looking at that. It's almost, I just love it when you know, uh, they pour hundreds of millions of dollars just to catch up with the Bible. Because look at how Jesus modeled friendship for us, right? He had his intimacy with the Father, then he had his group of three. Then he had his 12, his 120. So who are, who are your three? Who are your 12 to 15? Who are those people? So I mentioned you know, doing that wedding, and y'all know my story. And just doing a wedding, I knew it was going to be tough for me because of the, the life God has laid out before me. I was able to hold it together until that first dance, and I just... So back up to the groom's room, I, I just, I bawled. so hard. I, I let myself feel all the joy for my friends, but I knew that there would be a cost to that. And you guys know that sometimes with friendships, you have to have to, you have to weigh that cost. 
Like, so to be a good friend at times is not easy. Being a good friend sometimes is a sacrifice. But then also having good friends, they'll sacrifice for you. So I waited. I knew there would be this cost, but this is a, a friend that's going to be there on the way back. <coughs> I'm going to stay with my mama. Now I'm 33, but you know, you're never too old to not be a night with your mama every now and again. And I called uh, one of my best friends, Brian, in Oregon. I called him. We have a friendship. I can say, this is where I'm at. Almost had to pull over to the side of the road, weeping so hard. I trusted him with my vulnerability. I trusted him with my tears. I said, man, I'm here. And he also, that friend that when we talked, said, I'm here. And he wasn't just, hey, let me be here. Let me say something. But we have that relationship. I said, man, I, I know the gospel here, but it's hard to see through blurry eyes. Have those friends that you can call like these people that Paul had. And these weren't just people that were working with him and they tuned out and walked away. Have those friends that you can call and receive. Them. I don't know if I see the gospel here. I'm struggling. How do I see what God is doing here? And sometimes, especially for those of us who are men in our culture, our culture has done damage to the idea of male friendship. Really, really has. I mean, you have in Scripture things like you know, David and Jonathan were here. Their love was deeper even than that of, of, of a man and a woman. And there's people even in churches now trying to say, oh, well, that must have made them homosexual, right? Because men can't be that close. And yet, if you look at literature from over 100 years ago, I mean, goodness gracious, read, you know, read about you know, King Arthur. Like there's a manly man, your King Arthur's up there, right? And just the love that he had with his knights, that friendship, that closeness, that openness and intimacy. Sometimes as guys were taught that we're supposed to be strong and, and the only emotion we're allowed to have is anger, right? We're almost scared and feel awkward maybe telling you those male friends of ours, I love you. I would encourage you to press into those friendships. Press in. And then look at the description of some of these friends that we have. Beloved brother, faithful minister, fellow servant. You guys know that those people you serve with and work with, you grow closer together with. There's something about serving together, having the same mission. There's a level of friendship that can only be had when we're going that same direction. We're on the same mission, right? We're about the same kingdom. I have friends that are outside the faith, and I think that if we want to really look like Jesus, all of us should have some of those people that even are, right? Yet, if you were a friend of sinners that is closest to those people that had the same mission, they had the same goal, they were going that same place, have those friends that work with you on that same mission. You look here in verse 12. He describes those who are uh, those Jews of the circumcision party that are there with him. And if you also look, he's got Jews and Gentiles here, right? 
He doesn't just have people that, oh, they act like me, talk like me, have my same culture. He realizes the gospel itself is greater than maybe the music I listen to, the way I like my yard cut, or the things that I like to eat for dinner, right? The gospel is our closest and strongest connecting point. I wonder what some of those meetings are like when they disagree about style of music or what to eat. I laugh about things like that. But he says... They have been a comfort to me. If I would ask you, who are those friends that maybe even now if I was calling to your mind and they have been a comfort to you? I see you're nodding because you you have to think that long. And sometimes we don't know how much of a comfort a friend is until we have a season that we would not survive without it. We all have those seasons. Who are those people that pressed in? The scripture calls us one of the things we are told to do is rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know, it's easy to rejoice with somebody. I can see a stranger. I mean, that's why if someone starts singing happy birthday, the whole restaurant joins in, right? Someone starts crying over, and your two tables over, you might want to care. Can you move me to the other guy here? It's easy to press and rejoice. Who are those friends that when you weep, A, they know you're weeping, and B, they weep with you? And then I would ask, who are those friends that you are being a comfort to? And being a comfort, especially when we're weeping together, is tough. It's a cost. See, some of us lack those strong friendships because we live in a world that's so focused on me, 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 right? Every commercial other than Christmas commercials are about an, an individual, right? Seems like, you know, for you know, a month out of the year, they say be a family, and then two days later, like, oh, hey, buy this by yourself. Yeah, buy this for yourself. We're such an individualized culture that we don't realize we have broken and we have harmed ourselves by isolating. We're meant to live lives one for another. There's a C.S. Lewis question. Friendship is unnecessary. Like philosophy, art, poetry, music, unnecessary. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things that gives actual value to survival. Friendship, you don't need it to survive. It gives value to survival. The blessings of those friendships. And God uses our friendship so often as he matures and sanctifies us. Right? When we are justified, we are justified in a moment. It's done. But then that sanctification, it's messy. It takes time. It's hard. And one of the ways that God does that is through these friends that we have that know us, that love us. And they, they know us enough to see those places that we are struggling Right, someone that always stands five feet away that doesn't actually know us, they can't uh, fulfill that command that we have in Proverbs set, uh, 27, 17. It's iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. I feel like I can assume that in this church, I've been someplace where I talk about sharpening something, people just look at me. Most of us have, y'all, you know, y'all pull out that grinder, sharpen an axe, or a saw or something. There's sparks that are flying. It's messy. Uh, one ends up getting on you, burning you. I mean, iron sharpening iron is a hard thing. It's a messy thing. And yet we romanticize this verse 
And we actually do have that iron sharpening iron moment. We get mad and act like it shouldn't be that way. Sometimes those loving friends will say those hard things, but they say it across the dinner table. They'll yell it across the street. King Solomon also writes, a friend loves at all times, and the brother is born in adversity. A friend loves at all times, the brother is born in adversity. Again, I cannot help but think of those, those dearest, closest friends that I have, whether it's friends that were born in seasons of hardship and pain, those people that I was wrestling with and was able to trust my heart with. Now, don't you trust in your heart with everybody, right? But there's a difference between vulnerability and transparency. Right, transparency is, right, like when y'all see me, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to put on a facade, I'm not going to put on my Sunday morning church mask. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to let you know, even from the pulpit, I'm someone, I'm going to preach God's grace every week, because if there's a one week that I don't have it, I will fall and fail. A pastor I listened to made the joke that each one of us, if God removed his grace, each one of us are three days from being in the front page of a tabloid. But vulnerability means I'm going to share with you those things that you could use to wound me. And I'll share those with everyone. We share those with those friends that are loving all times, those brothers born in times of adversity. Again, think of those people. In fact, I don't even, uh, if they're here, tell them. If they're not here, call them. Write on the postcard, send them a letter. Let them know, hey, I'm so thankful for the gift of grace that is you in my life. And as we go through, we see Luke is here with him. And I do want to give you a moment. I don't know, did anyone else pick up on just some of the, verse 16 kind of weird. Anyone else catch that? He says, when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see also that you read the letter uh, from Laodicea. So there's letters that Paul wrote that we don't have. Right? Have y'all ever noticed that or read that or picked up on that? And some people use passages like this, maybe we'll go deeper in once we start Wednesday at the apologetic season. But there are letters that Paul wrote. See, God didn't come down and say, okay, Paul, you're a superhuman now. And everything he wrote wasn't inspired by the Holy Spirit. There were things that he wrote that, yes, they were good and godly, the same way that we read people now, right? Like I quoted C.S. Lewis. He's great, but what he wrote is an error. It's not inspired by the Holy Spirit, even though it points us to God. Not everything that the apostles wrote was inspired for us. And sometimes I wrestle with God. I feel like there's things in the Bible I wish you gave us more info on. It's like you give us this story and you just you just kind of let it go. Now we know from Scripture. And Paul writes to Timothy that uh, in Scripture we have everything that we need pertains to life and godliness. So there are certain things that were written that we don't have. And that's okay. Because we have everything we need for life and godliness. And then when some of these things pop up, 
these letters that pop up and seem to contradict what we believe. It's like, oh my God, this thing came and whatever. Again, like I said, we'll get into that on our Wednesday night. But there are things. When someone comes and says, oh, well, there's letters that we're missing. I say, yeah, they are. But I got all the ones Jesus wanted me to have. And one day I'll get to get there and say, hey, Paul, what did you say? And if he's anything like me, he'll go, I'm not sure I quite remember everything. And so when you come across things like that, don't be anxious about them. Don't let those things steer you off. Because we know enough from what Paul wrote, we know enough from church history, the church fathers, that he preached one message. And those with him preached one message. And this message was this. He said, we preach Christ and Him crucified. That is the message of the gospel. I just want to touch on that because I feel like sometimes... I've been in services where you know, there's just verses that have pointed out to me and been hard for me, and the you know, preacher could just skip over those because we don't want to go into it, right? But it's there. We must talk about it. I did want to bring your attention to that. And then I want to close by going back and bringing our attention. And I want to ask you, when you think of Christ, Right, when, you, when you think of Christ and who he is and what he has done, is he someone that is just, you know, everyone likes him as Savior. That's easy. The king, some of the king's a little bit tough. Because, you know, uh, you don't get to vote kings out of office. Americans, we don't like kings, right? We, we had one a while back, and we you know, had this whole thing. There was some tea in a harbor, and then, you know, we said we don't like it. Kings don't get voted out of office, and, and there are times we need to remember he's the king. Kings don't, you know, we don't get to vote on policy when the king makes it. But there are times that we as believers need to remember that Christ is our friend, he's our brother, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so even as we read this list of friends and we talk about those you know, Christian gospel friends that we have and hopefully we are, we can only be the type of Christian friend to the level that we know Christ as our friend. You ever notice that if you, you know, look around, those, your friend groups end up, you know, they pick up each other's mannerisms. They'll have inside jokes. They'll start acting like each other. If you want to be a Christ-like friend, you have to have Christ as your friend. You know you can go to him. Those quick conversations that just, hey, this is something funny. Oh, Jesus, thank you for that. Or, Jesus, this is where my heart is. Go to him as that friend. And as you do, and you start to experience him as not just Savior, not just King, but as that very best of friend, your relationship will grow and grow and grow. And through that growth, there will be an overflow you might not see it tomorrow. You might not see it next week. And what will usually happen, someone will pick up on a few months down the road. Man, you just, you remind me so much more of Jesus. Man, when I'm around you, I can just see Jesus in you. The more we are around Christ, the more Christ becomes our friend, our friendship will bear more and more that are wrong. <coughs> so this week, I would say press into him in that way I also, I just want to invite you, if you've never had him as that friend, if you've never truly experienced that level of intimacy with him, come and talk to me. Please come grab me. And let's sit down. Let's grab coffee. Let's grab lunch. Let's work through that together. Because on that last final judgment day, Christ doesn't say, depart from me. You didn't work hard enough. 
He's not going to say, depart from me, you didn't clean yourself up. He's not going to say, depart from me because you, know, you didn't tithe enough. See, depart from me, I never knew you. And that knowing is this, this type of knowing, it's this intimacy, this connection. <coughs> it's this deepness that comes only through those relationships that are true. Like I, was, I mean, I was happy about that Auburn game yesterday, right? I know. But I can tell you some stats. I'm like, Kim Newton. Right? Her name is Auburn. But I can tell you stats on Kim Newton. And you know what happened if I went and knocked on his front door? I'd get a free bed that night and there would be bars next to it. And some of us have a relationship with Jesus. I mean, I know stats about football players. And if I knock on his door, I would not be welcomed in. Is that the way you know Christ? Or do you know him the way? Are you excited? And he says, you know, I'm going for in my father's house, there's many rooms. Some of our translations say mansions, and that's not. He says, there's many rooms. Yeah, no, no, no. You're, you're, you're staying in the house with me. Now, I'm not even going to put you off across the street. You know, you're just so close. You're, you know, it's going to be a sleepover with Jesus, our big brother, and our best friend. So again, I want to invite you, just, just take account of your own life and press into him that way. And I promise you, if you do, you will see your relationship with Christ start to blossom and start to grow and press into the relationships you have with close friends. And guys, I get it. As adults, we are not in a season of life that's conducive to having close friends. It's work. I got a friend that lives in New York City, uh, New, York City New York City, and we have to schedule out like twice a month, okay, this is my calendar, that's yours, so we can talk on the phone and keep up. And I said, you know, this relationship is worth it. I'm going to press in. I'm going to press hard. Friendships take work. But I promise you, everything you, you invest, you'll receive back 10, 100, 1,000 fold. The blessing. Cornelia, we're going to sing our closing song, and as they prepare and get ready, again, think that God's brought people to mind to press into. Write their name down. Pull out that offering envelope. You got a picture. Write it down before you forget. As soon as we open those doors, it's back to real life. It's where are we going to go get lunch? And, you know, John, leave the oven on. Okay, I need to do laundry. Or maybe if you're like me, you, you dry it. You need to put the dryer back on one more time because they're wrinkly. Write those names down. Press in. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. And I promise you, if you do, those Christian friendships, just like what Paul had, will be a blessing to you, a comfort to you. And then you will in return be that to those people as well. Awesome. Okay, go with these words. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Father, and Christ Jesus, our Lord, be all glory and dominion, power and authority, now and forever, world without end. Amen. Go in peace, beloved.